Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. I'm Dr. Nefertiti Noel. And I'm Darren Noel. And we are here tonight for Relationship Wednesdays on our Powerful Radio Show. Um, just our background for those of you all tuning in for the first time or for those of you all that want to re-familiarize yourselves with what we do, um, I am a therapist and I run a thriving private practice in uh, Chicago, in Naperville, and um, digitally and also telephonically. Yeah, and my background is in corporate America. Here at Noel Associates, I do life coaching and career counseling. Absolutely. And so a couple of things. If you have questions for us tonight that you need some answers to tonight, you want to call in and ask that question on the show, our guest call-in number is 323 323- Six nine three three eight three five again three two three six nine three three eight three five. Let me also say that the topic of suicide, as are all of our topics, um, but the topic of suicide is a very intense topic. And so, if we're covering things and you see yourself in some of what we're saying, or you feel like there's a loved one in that position, you can always call the office to make an appointment. Our Definitely. office is six three zero four two eight two three four four. Yes. Let me also say this: that if if suicide is an option for you or someone that you know, I'm going to give you the suicide prevention telephone number, and I think it's just a good number to know. It's one. 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK, which spells out to 1-800-273-8255. So if you're finding yourself in this situation, um, please reach out for help. We don't want anyone to, to feel like they cannot reach out for help, and at least here at Noel and Associates, and I'm also very sure at 1-800-273-TALK, um, no one is going to shame you for having these feelings, and we're not going to judge anybody for having these feelings because, unfortunately, there are so many who who contemplate and consider suicide that the numbers just happen to be growing. And every time there's a death, um, a public death, I would say, I think it just highlights publicly what people are experiencing on every level, that suicide can hit and, and be an option for anybody. Yes, it hits all different demographics, age, economic bracket, gender, from you know, we had Robin Williams a number of years ago, a successful comedian who committed suicide. You hear it frequently, unfortunately, now with children uh, being bullied at school, committing suicide. Uh, we had uh, Kate Spade, successful designer, committed suicide. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, television host, committed suicide. So all different demographics, all different people around, unfortunately, are choosing to commit suicide. This is what we want to talk about today. Absolutely. And I also want to caution people that, it is it is such a judgment. People put such a heavy negative judgment on people for having thoughts of suicide. But we're seeing the rates of suicide increase, not decrease. That's correct. And people put a lot of shame on people for pursuing mental health treatment or behavioral health treatment. And I'm going to tell you that without treatment, many, many people do not make it through mental health issues or depression. I also want to say that suicide in and of itself is not a mental health issue. I mean, it's not a it's not a diagnosis. Like, it is not um, an accident one diagnosis. But it is an issue that strikes a lot of people that have mental health issues or depression or certain changes in their lives. And so, a um, couple of things I want to tell you just about who is more likely to commit suicide. If you have a chance, I want you to check out Cleveland Clinic's website, clevelandclinic.org. Um, 
they report that suicide rates are highest in teens, young adults, and the elderly. They also report that people over the age of 65 have the highest rate of suicide. Um, and then it says, although women are more likely to attempt suicide, men are more likely to be successful. Mm-hmm. Suicide risk is also higher in the following group, groups. I just want to read out the groups. Older people who have lost a spouse through death or divorce, people who have attempted suicide in the past, people with a friend or coworker who committed suicide, people with a family history of suicide, people with a history of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, people who are unmarried, unskilled, or unemployed, people with long-term pain or disabling or terminal illness, people who are inclined to violent or impulsive behavior, people who have recently been released from a psychiatric hospital, which is often a very frightening period of transition, Um, people in certain professions such as police officers and healthcare providers who work with the terminally ill, people with substance abuse problems. Um, So that's just, and that's just a short list because the truth is, is that um, suicide is becoming an option for far too many people because so many people are feeling hopelessness, which is really one of the main things that lead people to suicide, that feeling of hopelessness, that feeling of being trapped, a feeling of not having a way out. And sometimes people can go so deep into a hole that it's hard for them to see a way out. Yes. You know, even if you see a way out, oftentimes many people cannot see a way out for themselves. Um, so I also want to give some warning signs. Excessive sadness or moodiness, like long-lasting sadness or mood swings can be symptoms of depression, which is a major risk factor for suicide. So not just a person that's sad for a day or so. Right. But when you see a person that's sad for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, like an extended period of time right. where they're unable to get their mood um to lighten. It's not right. It's not just, just having a bad day or a bad morning or a bad uh, afternoon, had a bad meeting and kind of down after that, had a bad review. It's not that. It's just consistent weeks, mm-hmm. multiple weeks, even a month, or someone just still can't get out of it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, this may be a warning sign. Someone we want to watch out for. Absolutely. Another thing to look for is sudden calmness. So suddenly um, becoming calm after a period of depression or moodiness can be a sign that the person has made a decision to end his or her life. And, mm-hmm. and oftentimes what I hear families say is, I thought that my brother, my cousin, my friend, my boyfriend was getting better. Right. And they were acting happier and seeming calmer, and then a week later they completed a suicide. What happened, right? Wow. Well, there's this period of transition where calm comes where someone says, you know what, I got the answer to the to the problem. And they feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel once right. they've come to that agreement. And it's so unfortunate, and I want to be careful to say this, that a lot of people think that suicide is selfish. I've heard so many people say that. Like, suicide is so selfish, Dr. Noel. Mm. How could someone complete a suicide? And I do want to be clear about this, is that um, there are possibly some people that are selfish and they commit suicide. But but more often than not, suicide is a response to an overwhelming feeling of trapped, feeling trapped or helpless or not motivated that nothing can ever get better, like feeling so low that a person feels like they'd be better if they weren't here. They also say people – they feel like they're being a burden to others. They feel like they're, you know, they're a burden everywhere, that they have no benefit to the world, they're not helping anybody. 
So they feel like we'll be better off without them. They have that feeling. You know, that's true. That's definitely true. And, and so I want people to be very cautious that I don't want you to go up to people and go, hey, I just, you know, heard a radio podcast that people 65 and older commit suicide. Grandma, are you feeling that way? But what I do want people to be cautious of is kind of being in tune with the people that are, that are close to you. Great. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Right, looking out, being our brothers or sisters keeper, right? We're looking out. For Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just like like we live in Chicago, last week there were a couple of days that with wind chills, I think, were negative 45 or whatever. Right. There were just a few people that I emailed, texted, called to say, hey, how are you? What's sure. going on with you, right? So the same with that. Like if you're in a relationship with someone that, that you know has depression or has had someone commit suicide in their life or has attempted suicide before, has any of the markers um, combined together, like, right, have a conversation with hey, I want to make sure you're safe. I want to make sure you're okay. Which is, I've heard that say if somebody in their family closest has committed suicide, that is a risk factor for somebody Absolutely. on themselves. Well, I think the thing is, is that everyone's a role model, and people are much more likely to do things that they've seen or heard of other people doing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, right. you know, you, you can go to a college or go to a high school, and they love the teacher, and maybe 50 of the kids out of a class of 1,000 become teachers, right? Right. Okay, good point. Good well, point. it's the same in a family. The influence of um, family members' behavior really does change options for people, right? So if a person completes a suicide, that automatically increases the chances for anyone connected to them, not actually just family, mm-hmm. but for friends, for coworkers as well, to view suicide as an option and complete a suicide. So, like, I think Kate Spade's suicide was first. And then it was the other person's suicide. Yes, correct, Both correct. stars, yes, right? Yes, yes, and correct. so a lot of times if, you, if a person sees a suicide on television, you'll see an up of suicides and teenagers that were connected to the superstar, the person that completed the suicide, right? That's a great example. Like, it seemed like the number, unfortunately, of children who were responding to bullying seemed like more, a lot of us tired to bullying or commute, uh, committing suicide has increased. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because it's being reported that way more, but it seems like almost once a month, every other week, another child around the company has decided to commit suicide. And that's just the ones that we hear about. You know, one of the things I want to say is, and it's so interesting to help prevent suicide, I I definitely suggest a decrease in social media for Mm. people that are in this age range or in the ranges of um, or have some of the the higher symptoms or, or more intense risk factors for suicide, right? Because one of the things I have seen, especially with people that are depressed, is that it's so easy to compare yourself to someone online. Also, I don't know if anyone just heard this in the news, there was a young woman whose boyfriend texted her that he wanted to commit suicide, and she told him to go ahead and do it, right? And so she was convicted, and then she had an appeal, and they they have upheld the amount of time that she's going to be in jail because they felt like she encouraged a suicide. Right, so that's a serious thing. It's a legal matter, and she actually was was convicted of it, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I talked about that to say that because so much digital stuff is faceless, People have much more um, fervor to yes. say things like, just kill yourself then, or yeah. um, who cares? You know, you can kill yourself. It doesn't matter. You don't matter. Like, people are much more easily. Emboldened um, with cruelty. They, yeah. can, they can be a lot cooler when they're not seeing someone face-to-face. I'm just typing a message, you know, tweeting a message, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Um, I feel I can say whatever I want to say and mm-hmm. have no, you know, without no a filter. filter. No filter. Absolutely. So, 
And so I think that's one of the ways to protect some of our, our most vulnerable populations from suicide is to really limit some of the digital exposure. And I know that's a really hard thing to do, but if you if you look at one of the risk factors is um, mood instabilities, right? right? Well, we know that prolonged time on digital stuff as opposed to having human interactions face-to-face, touch-to-touch, increases moodiness, right? Because right. It's so easy to not know how to handle something socially when you've handled your whole life with emojis. Right. So if you handle your life with emojis, then if someone has a real conversation with you, that can that can be really hard, right? And so when we see people that are, like, definitely for prevention, try not to be cruel to one another. Right. Watch your words. Understand the words you have can have impact in someone else's and life. And do have impact. Right. Because guess what? You never know what someone else is dealing with, right? They may said, look successful, look happy, look fine on the outside, but internally they could be struggling. Like people will say, you know, let's say Anthony Bourdain, right? He's on a uh, he's hosting his own television show. He's a, a chef, tasting foods. How many times do people say, I never knew there was an issue? I never knew this is a total shocker. Right, he he or she seems so happy. They seem so together. Mm-hmm. You know, they look like they had the quote unquote the perfect life. But you never really know what necessarily what's going on in somebody's life or behind closed doors or internally with them. So we Absolutely. definitely have to watch our words. Absolutely. Um, more things to look for: withdrawal, mm-hmm. um, choosing to be alone and avoiding friends or social activities are also possible symptoms of depression. This includes a loss of interest or pleasure in activities that the person previously engaged in. Right. So. Um, a lot of times you see this when someone's in a transition in a career, right? Like um, they leave, let's say a person, there's a lot of football players and, and superstar athletes that say when they retired, they were suicidal because the purpose had changed. Yes. And um, they started pulling back from people because their identity was with that sport. Their identity was with that job. And now it's Bob that used to be a, right. or the former blah, blah, blah. Right. All of their, they're really there. They felt their value was tied into that. Right. And their, their day was regimented. They knew exactly what they were going to do. You know, the whole year was basically planned out for them. now. I have nowhere to they say retired, nowhere specifically to go. No one telling me what to do. What do I do? It's like, ah, it can be nerve-wracking for some people mm-hmm. if they haven't necessarily prepared for that. So it could be something to watch out for. Absolutely. Um, dangerous or self-harmful behavior. So potentially dangerous behavior, such as reckless driving, engaging in unsafe sex, mm-hmm. increases the drugs or alcohol might indicate that the person, that a person no longer values his or her life, right? right. And um, that's interesting because you, I do see a lot more drug and alcohol use in a person before a suicide attempt, right? And oh, okay. So, and I think that's something to look at. So let's say your spouse is generally a social drinker. Right. But then a transition in life happens, they start sleeping more, all these other factors come in, and then you notice, like, they're drinking lots and lots more. So they say that Christoph St. John, before his passing, was doing a lot of drinking, and he tweeted about his son who committed suicide in 2015, right? So, right. like, all of those things kind of lined up for the perfect storm. So You talk about it. his son committing suicide. We talk about someone in a close circle committing suicide. It could have an impact on one another. Unfortunately, that's an example mm-hmm. of, a, of a challenge right there. Absolutely. Another symptom or, or something that could trigger a suicide is recent trauma or life crisis. A major life crisis might trigger a suicide attempt. Uh, crisis include the death of a loved one or a pet, divorce or breakup of relationships, diagnosis of a major illness, loss of a job, or serious financial problems, right? Mm. So sometimes some of the strongest people don't transition well. Okay. 
And I think that's another thing to look for is to, for prevention's sake, helping people, helping people to transition through a tough time, right? So we know that freshmen in college have a high suicide rate as well. So, right. like, if you have a student uh, trans- transitioning to college, that you check in on them, that you send them a care package, that parents, as much as they say, don't don't pop up on me, that you pop up a time or two on campus to right. see kind of what they're doing, what they're going through, what they're participating in. I think you made a great point about quote-unquote strong people. Same way, somebody could normally be very strong, very self-sufficient, very confident, okay? But guess what? If they start uh, exuding some of these behaviors or demonstrating some of these behaviors, these risk factors, you still want to check on in on them. You may say, oh, they're always okay. They can always handle it. You know, they're always handling it. But they may be at their limit. <laughs> so maybe at this point in time, yeah, 95% of the time they could handle it. This one time. Or at this particular time in their life, it's just too much for them to handle it. So now they're demonstrating these risk factors. So even if they're normally confident and you wouldn't think that they're at that risk level, you still want to check in on them if you see these risky behaviors. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting is nobody cries for the strong person. Mm, Nobody even thinks that the strong person could, and I'm using quotes for strong, but you can't see me do that, but no one actively thinks that if someone's quote-unquote strong that they would do um, com- completed suicide because people right. people think that suicide is a, is a sign of weakness, so they figure, right. oh, someone wouldn't do that. But really suicide, I, I want to keep emphasizing this, is a sign of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Is what it is, right? I mean, they, they're seniors committing suicide because they have no control of their bodies anymore. They're people committing suicide because their lives are in such a huge transition that they feel like they cannot handle it, right? So right. I want us to be careful, too, that we're not calling someone strong and then thinking, oh, they're strong. They have thick skin. They don't need it. Right. That's right. Right? So, like, when it dropped down to negative 46 degrees here, um, even people with nice houses deserved a phone call, right? right, right. Because Check their heat could be off for some reason. Right. They could have got trapped in the garage. But that nice house, quote unquote, that strong house, won't prevent them from freezing if they're outside for 15 minutes, you know? And so I think that's one of the things that people have to be cautious of is that we don't pigeonhole depression and suicide as things that can only happen to the weak, a certain group of people. people. Because it can happen to anyone who, and, and people all have the potential to do anything, right? But also knowing that you can always make a difference by just asking a person, hey, how's it going? What's going right. on? I care about you. Yeah, absolutely. That small word can make a difference in someone's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And then as we th- think about transitions, if someone has a divorce, like one of the things I think is really interesting is if someone divorces someone and then, but the marriage was bad, people go, oh, you're probably excited. I, I, you probably clipped your heels because you, we couldn't stand them anyway, right? <laughs> right that right. person still feels a loss. That's a great point. Even if it's a person that they felt like was rude to them or physically unfair to them right. um, or abusive in any kind of way, there's still a loss experience right. there. So we seem to be checking on the person, even if we feel like, oh, they're better off without them get rid of it. loss, significant, still significant life change, you know. They're still going dealing with that change financially, emotionally. Uh, it's still, uh, still a major change in that person's life and worthy of checking in on. Great point. Another, another sign is making preparations. Like often a person considering suicide will begin to put his, his or her personal business in order. They might include visiting friends and family members, giving away personal possessions, making a will, and cleaning up his or her room or home. Some people will write a note before committing suicide. Now, I'm not saying that if your teenager vacuums their room that you have to be worried about suicide. That's not what this means. Right. But we're talking about layers of things kind of combining on themselves. You're seeing the depression. You're seeing the mood swings. And then you start to see – 
hey, they're starting to feel better. They're cleaning up everything inside. They're visiting long-lost friends. They're writing letters to ex-girlfriends. You might want to step in and say, hey, what's happening? Right. They're giving away jewelry. Hey, hold my artifacts for me. Hold my jewelry for me. My grandmother gave me this bracelet. I think you look pretty in it. Like, right. well, that's, that's something cool. to, right. to consider. It's almost like a check. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah, there's 10 things, whatever, I'm checking for uh, suicide risk behavior. So, wait a minute. This person's got five to six of these things. Whoa, wait a minute. It's not just one. This guy right. going on a list. They have a couple of red flags being thrown Absolutely. up. I need to really see what's going on there. Absolutely. Giving away large sums of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times in the elderly, they'll start saying things like, it's time. You know, yes, it's time yes, to go. I don't need to be here anymore. Um, they'll start giving big checks to people. It's like, okay, like, why are you giving away 10 grand here, 200 there, 400 there? Like, those things do begin to mean something when you layer them. Because there's no one thing that will make a person complete a suicide. It's right. a lot of different things, um, things that we probably haven't even covered and won't get a chance to cover tonight, coming together for what we call a perfect storm to kind of um, usher in that. Right. Another thing that happens a lot is that people threaten suicide. And, and so threatening suicide is really interesting because not everybody threatens it in a way that sounds believable. So some people say they want to commit suicide, and some people never talk about it at all. Mm, okay. And, they, and, and, and and either way, suicide is a possibility. But then some people joke about it. They'll say, hey, if that ever happens to me, I'll just off myself. I'll just call a life and end it, right? Yes, you hear yes. people joking like that a lot. Yes, you do. Um, but lots of times when you hear that joke, it's it's it would be interesting to stop that person and say, hey, let's just stop for a second right, and see right. what's going on. Because the truth be told, to talk about suicide, even joking about it, is not a very normal activity. No, it could be just a cry out for help. Does anybody care? I'm going to say this to 10 different people. Is anybody going to ask me mm-hmm. about the statement that I made, mm-hmm. right? Does anybody truly care? Is anybody paying attention to me? The other thing, though, is if you say, if a person says something long enough, it becomes a viable option. So it might not have been an option the first time they told the joke, right? Right. But it becomes an option the more they talk about it. Right. And that's a very interesting concept to realize that you can speak yourself into some things, right? That's and people have to be careful about speaking themselves into it, right? Um, I think another thing to watch for is children are, are especially interesting because children can laugh and be having a great day and, and the, because children are very easy to laugh. They'd be having a great day seeming okay, um, and still complete a suicide. We, last year there mm-hmm. were a number of young people, like nine, like eight, nine, ten, right. that were hanging themselves in bedrooms and doing doing things. So never, never be too busy. If everybody just checked on the people around them, right, then we see a lot less suicide, right? If you just checked on the people around them. But let me also say this: don't sink into a hole with someone. If you if you find that someone is suicidal, contact appropriate authorities. If you call the police, take them to a hospital. Try to get them in touch with people that they can trust. If clergy is is available, but my suggestion is very need to help. In other words. Yes. Calling the neighbor might not be the answer, but calling right. the clinician can be the answer. Calling right. someone that has dealt with suicidal people before that has some, some knowledge about the clinical process of it. Someone who has professional training, but get professional help with it. Mm-hmm. It's a serious matter. Well, it, it's a life and death situation, really, right? So you want to make sure you're getting the proper people who have the proper training and our expertise in this matter to try and help the situation. That is for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing is be careful of the words like just snap out of it. Can't you just get out get out of it? Um, right. You know, suicide is a choice. And it is a choice. 
But while a person is feeling it, it doesn't feel like a choice, if that makes sense, you know. So, And then a lot of times people that complete suicide have other mental health issues going on that you may or may not know about, right? You may not know all of the facets of a person or um, or what's happening for them sure. from beginning to end. I mean, it could be a physical, mental, physical response that they have. They need to go to see a medical doctor for something right. going on, mm-hmm. you know, a chemical imbalance or thing like that. We don't necessarily know. That's why you want to make sure you talk to a professional, get a professional involved mm-hmm. to make to make the best judgment on these things. And and like I find it interesting too that um, there's a lot of shame associated with with seeking mental health. Now I have seen some of that shame lift over the past yes. 15 years or so that yes, we've been uh, thriving in practice. However, people still have some stigma attached to it. They'll call people crazy or say, oh, that's right, he went to the farm, those types of things. And I really think that that's so unfair that if a person's foot is broken, you wouldn't call them crazy for going to the doctor. Right. You would say that that was a smart thing to do. Right. If a person's car runs out of gas, we we would say, don't fill it with water, go right. get gas at the gas station. Well, if the car has a mechanical malfunction, right, you're taking it to a mechanic, right? Absolutely. That's, right. that's what they're supposed to do. And so in the same sense, I think depression, anxiety, um, adjustment disorders need to be treated in that same way, that it's yeah. okay, that there's no shame in going to seek help to talk to someone, right? And I think it's a great point. I think some of the stigma has gone away in the last few years through celebrities coming out, giving their own personal testimonies of their challenges, or family members who have challenges with mental health, trying to break that stigma down, because it is so important that, hey, if you need mental health help, Please go get it. Go see a professional. There's no negative associating with you identifying an opportunity and going to seek professional help for it, right? That's why these doctors and therapists are there for mm-hmm. I think another thing to help, even if this is something that you're struggling with for those that have considered suicide, is to realize that life has seasons to it. Mm-hmm. And you can go through a very dark season, but it doesn't stay dark forever. Right. That at, at any point, one's life can take an upshot, right? But we do know that one once a person's dead, there's no changing right. what happened, right? right? The other thing is that death does not always occur from a suicide attempt. Sometimes there's long, uh, long-term, long-term physical health issues that well, occur right, yes. correct, from a suicide. So, um, and, and I've seen people that have attempted a suicide, didn't complete it, acquired a disability um, along the way, and were able to say, I can't believe that I wanted to die when my life was so good, and, you know, now they're grateful to just be alive, if that yeah, makes wow. sense. So I think we have to be really careful with understanding that suicides don't always go to completion. That is correct. That's a great point. That's you know, point. And, and I think, again, what we have to think about, too, is allowing people to – to seek support, um, whether it's from you, whether it's from a clinician, like being okay with people wanting to talk about their emotions. I think that's one thing that um, folks have not done very well is be able to talk about emotions. And I think we all have to be emotionally healthy and we have to work on our emotional health, just like you do physical health. Like you need to work out at the gym as much as you need to see a therapist in some sense, because both of those tools, physical and mental are always needed. Great point. Very good point. Mm-hmm. We've also had some questions about how do you help children? Um, you know, I had someone email me about today's show and say that they had a, a child whose father had completed suicide, and now the child wants to know more and more details about the suicide itself. Should they tell them? And I'm going to tell you no, and I'm going to say no because that kind of builds the the um, 
you know, there's a way that when a person dies, there's a mystery for a child surrounding what that means, right. what that is. And it builds like the romanticism that people have about mm-hmm. um, death and suicide. And so I'm going to say no to the details, but I'm also going to say that you want to get this child into some care. You want to get this child some help. And um, I mean, the email went on to say that this child wasn't very close to the father, but nonetheless, it's still her father. Right. right? So Because it's probably hard enough for a child when their parent passed away through no- normal causes to deal with that emotion and finding out that, let alone trying them try to comprehend or understand that this, this parent took their own life. Really, what, what happened? What's going on? Had, having them deal with all those emotions could be very challenging for a child. Absolutely. And here's the thing about the challenge. Every child deals with it differently, but every child is affected by it. So I think if if we look in times past, a lot of people would not talk about someone completing the suicide. They would say that the person, you know, felt they they would come up with another excuse. Mm -hmm. And the reason people were doing that, one, is religious background, but also because you don't, people didn't really want other folks to know that and try to imitate them. Right, so there's always some rationale behind people kind of hiding suicides. But I also feel like in hiding those things, we weren't preparing people for um, what they may be predisposed for, right? And the amount of risk that's actually out there uh, from these suicides. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I think we all need to do a better job, like clinicians, but also um, boyfriends, girlfriends, partners, and Noticing things, being able to talk about emotions and not ridiculing someone when they have Also pushing really hard for people to get help. But then another thing you have to push for is, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, I wanted my boyfriend to stick around with me, but I got too depressed and even he left me. One of the things that's important for you to understand is that you may not be able to save a person. How, as a matter, That's so unfortunate. You may not be able to save a person. But I also don't want people risking their own emotional health right. in the process to help someone else. That's why I want you to get a clinician involved because right. the clinician has the tools to kind of deal with the immediacy of the situation but then not go home and be suicidal themselves. Great point. Or in Great theory, point. they should have. Right, right. right. In theory, they should have. Like so I definitely uh, appreciate people that sent us questions and emails. And yes. Definitely check out clevelandclinic.org. Definitely Definitely remember 1-800-273-TALK. Yes. Definitely remember some of the numbers when you need help. Thanks, folks. Have a great week. All right. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.